0: Now, on Tuesday, April 21st, uh, Derek Chauvin, the white Minneapolis police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes last year and killed him, was found guilty of all three charges against him. Chauvin was convicted of second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. The jurors deliberated for just over uh, 10 hours over two days before arriving at their decision. After he was convicted, Chauvin's bail was revoked and he was placed in handcuffs and removed from the court through a side door. He was later transported to a facility in Stillwater, Minnesota, about 25 miles east of downtown Minneapolis. Uh, The second-degree murder charge pointed out that Chauvin assaulted George Floyd with his knee, which caused uh, Mr. Floyd's death. The third-degree murder charge stated that Chauvin acted with a depraved mind. Meanwhile, the manslaughter charge said his culpable negligence caused George Floyd's death. Um, Now, Chauvin faces serious jail time. He could face up to 40 years in prison for the second-degree murder charge, up to 25 years for a third-degree murder charge, and up to 10 years for the manslaughter charge, this according to CNN. Now, Minnesota's sentencing guidelines recommend about 12.5 years in prison for each murder charge and about four years for the manslaughter charge. But in Derek Chauvin case, uh, the state has asked for a tougher sentence than the recommendations uh, provide. Chauvin's sentencing is set for two months from today, and a trial for three of the other officers involved in George Floyd's uh, arrest, uh, Thomas Lane, J. Alexander Kyung, and uh, Tu Tao, is set to begin in August. The three other officers at the scene of George Floyd's murder have since been fired and face charges of aiding and abetting uh, murder. You heard in uh, the clip we played earlier, um, the Floyd family Uh, rejoicing, um, tears of joy. There were lots of tears. People across the US celebrating the guilty verdict and, indeed, uh, around the world. Peaceful demonstrations uh, were held. And President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris also spoke out. We'll hear their words a little later in the show. so indeed let us go now to a clip about how the u.s reacted to the chauvin verdict
1: we the jury in the above entitled matter as to count one find the defendant guilty. guilty so there you have it less than 10 minutes uh, guilty on all three counts. you saw the former police officer there derek chauvin Handcuffed, he's going back into jail.
2: It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see. Today, you have the cameras all around the world to see and show what happened to my brother. It was a motion picture, the world seeing his life being extinguished. We want is the police to obey the law and when they break the law they should have handcuffs just like anybody else
0: as much as i want to be overjoyed the thing is that really should be the regular thing it shouldn't be that there is this worldwide wait to find out what the verdict is we still must reform the system this verdict is not Justice. This was accountability, but it's not yet justice. Justice for us is saving lives.
2: This is but a start, but at least
0: now I can answer my son's question when yes. he says, Mommy, what if that happened to me? I can at least show him what justice looked like today.
2: Black power! Black power! Black power! I'm going to miss him, but now I know he's in history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What a day to be a Floyd, man. Alrighty, and that clip was from The Guardian. And I'd now like to welcome our first guest here, um, Karen Hudson, president of CWA Local 7250, has been active in protests in solidarity with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. Karen is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Karen, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Okay, well, first of all, just congratulations to all of you on the ground. We know it also took Uh, people across the nation and indeed across the world uh, to highlight the murder of George Floyd. But uh, you all being on the ground there and doing the day in and day out work, I'm sure deserve a lot of credit. Uh, You know, these kinds of things are not only um, one within the courtroom, but also the movement on the street. Um, Give us your reaction to the verdict.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. There have been decades of history of the Minneapolis Police Department regularly killing people, including unarmed people and disproportionately people of color, very frequently African-American men, uh, without any kind of justice. So this was exceptional, and the reason for the exception was the uprising that happened in response. I think it's unquestionable. that Without the video from Darnella Frazier, uh, a high school A young woman, uh, someone my son went to high school with,
0: without her video and without the response
1: of the, the people of the city, we wouldn't have this day.
0: Right. And uh, what are you hearing um, from people around you, your family members, uh, people on the street, those of us not in Minneapolis? Of course, we saw the shots of uh, celebratory uh, movements. Uh, People were in tears. Uh, There was also a sizable and and very peaceful uh, protest. So tell us about some of that activity on the street and and people's reactions, but also what people are, are quite worried about. I mean, people are saying, well, this is a new day and in some ways it is because the blue wall of silence was broken. You had several police officers, including the chief of police, uh, testifying against uh, Chauvin. Um, but uh, just tell us about all that.
1: Well, I think people, people are relieved. Um, people wanted to see justice. They wanted to see a police officer be convicted for murder. They wanted to have You know, our reality is validated in the courtroom. But I think that there's also going to be an attempt now to use this conviction to try and uh, restore the legitimacy of the Minneapolis police, who really have not had their legitimacy restored since the murder of George Floyd, even after months of propaganda. And also, you know, some real antisocial crime issues that we do have to deal with. But I think it's important that we not fall for um, attempts to use this conviction to pretend as if everything's okay or to pretend if it was just one bad apple. The thing is about Derek Chauvin is, is he was actually a very typical Minneapolis policeman, not an exceptional one. And the thing that he did could have easily been done by any number of cops. And if it hadn't been for that video, he'd still be on the force today.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that that really is the difference, um, Karen, between uh, what happened to George Floyd. Also, people talk about Rodney King. I mean, in Rodney King, there was a video, uh, but nevertheless, those police officers were, you know, let off the hook. Uh, Eric Garner, there was also a video. So, in a lot of ways, this particular case. Uh, has a breakthrough but the other thing I wanted you to comment on because that you mentioned there have been other incidences you know in Minneapolis of uh, police killings and and police violence and tension between um, the black community communities of color and the police there um, but when we think, back in history and we think of uh yesterday we did a story on Mamia abu jamal who is a, a journalist and in prison uh many say wrongfully in prison um, in Philadelphia for the killing of a police officer, but Mamiya himself was shot and beat um, by the police. And one has to wonder if there was a video then of that incident, um, would Mamiya still be in prison today? So uh, Karen, one has to wonder about that, about how many um, you know, people of color are in prison simply because it was their word against a police officer and there was no video. Well, Karen Goodson,
1: you're totally right. There's a number of people that were killed in Minneapolis under extremely questionable circumstances. Um, Terrence Franklin was killed in, in a, a basement, and with this incredible story that he somehow took on two policemen and uh, police dogs, and somehow was able to pull one of the policemen's gun away um, and shoot police officers before he was killed. It's just an incredible story that doesn't seem possible. Uh, Fong Lee was a young uh, Hmong Asian uh, man in Minneapolis who was shot in the back by police, and the gun that they said that he had actually was last um, recorded being in the police evidence locker room. So there's just case after case like this, and there was no video. And I think in the cases that you mentioned before that did have video, the real difference was that the police had not restored their legitimacy here. They're still um, don't have the consent of wide swaths of the population in Minneapolis. And to me, that was that was a good thing because they don't deserve it. And we should resist any attempts to have some cosmetic or superficial um, bringing us all back together to consent to the Minneapolis Police Department when its long history has been one of violence, particularly against poor people and people of color.
0: Right. And hold that thought. I do want to come back to you to talk about what people are now demanding uh, in Minneapolis, of law enforcement there. But I'd like to welcome into this discussion David Ayala, who serves as national organizer for the formerly incarcerated convicted people and families movement, which is a network of over 50 civil and human rights organizations that are led by people who are living with criminal records and their family members. David, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being on this morning.
0: Yeah, and David, I wonder, I mean, I do want to talk with you because you all have an event uh, coming up later today. That is April uh, 21st, uh, showing this film, Racially Charged, America's Misdemeanor Problem. But then you have uh, quite a, a set of Uh, panelists uh, following that discussion including uh, Ben Crump who's the trial lawyer uh, for justice but first um, give us your reaction to the verdict and how you see that impacting um, policing and law enforcement not only in Minneapolis but across the country David I
2: so I, I first as an organizer I see this as a foundation uh, that we must build on. It. You know, however, um, we cannot, one guilty verdict does not reverse the damage uh, caused um, by the George Ford um, killing, as well as the decades of police violence in our community. So, therefore, as, as we take a moment to embrace some semblance of justice brought by the verdict, um, that moment of relief will, will short be lived because justice is not achieved in a single moment over time with consistent tangible progress uh, we must continue in this moment uh, we must not let, let let up but we must continue to organize and demand a kind of justice that recognizes when we are victims and protects our humanity at all times and under all circumstances and, and, and most importantly we we as, as we move forward we must demand uh, the same, same resources that went into that trial to go into uh, 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 trials moving forward. Because I think that's one of the major points, um, part of what took place yesterday, uh, the, not just the expertise of the, of the prosecutorial and, and, and the honor in which the jury um, you know, uh, uh, conducted themselves, but, but the resources that went into that trial uh, the, to, to, to get the experts that's
0: something that we don't normally see. Right. And um, Karen, uh, back to you now, because, you know, people are beginning, even Biden in, in his statements, you know, talking about uh, systemic uh, racism. It, you know, it's not a, a question of a few bad apples, but a systemic problem. And then other people are raising, well, uh, their systemic problems true in law enforcement but we can't only look at law enforcement we have to look at all of the other uh, systemic uh, issues I saw an article about um, force that's being used against uh, students for example um, uh, that says in in U.S. education, the headline says children are dying, George Floyd's killing fuels calls for a ban on restraints in schools. Then there, of course, the the massive increase in, in mass incarceration, which reflects uh, systemic problems, racism, poverty on a number of fronts. So your thoughts now on what people are demanding specifically, or just to let us know what the movement on the ground demanding specifically in relation to Law enforcement but also um, your thoughts on the fact that that the, it's systems-wide it's not just a question of looking at one particular uh, system Karen
1: yeah again I agree with how you lay that out um, Minneapolis like all parts of this country is built on the structural white supremacy of this country and all the institutions and systems uh, that come from that Structure are, you know, infected and promote the racism that's been inherent in the system. So it's not just policing; it's it's employment, it's wealth. There's a massive wealth gap in Minnesota between people of color and white folks. Uh, there's a massive education gap in the schools that that poor people and people of color predominantly use are, are way under resourced compared to middle-class whites so it has to take go on beyond policing it has to take on the entire system in my view now in regards to the police spe- specifically there are a number of different proposals that are coming from the grassroots you know there is an effort to dismantle the MPD entirely and replace it with something different there are other folks that want to put the MPD under what they call community control And there are other proposals. But there is a spirit of, I'd say, defiance um, that that exists surprisingly months after the uprising that people are not going to just accept the return to the same kind of policing that existed before. And um, if the police try and impose that just with some new names or some superficial changes, it won't work.
0: Right. And uh, David, uh, back to you, because just yesterday, as people were reacting, uh, you know, to the verdict, I got a text from a colleague of mine in the Bay Area, who's actually indigenous and uh, Salvadoran event um, um, background, and said, she said, the whole damn system is guilty. So um, David, Just the film, this new film, The Formerly Incarcerated Convicted, Uh, people and and families movement that you all are screening along with uh, Brave New Films. The title of it is Racially Charged, America's Misdemeanor Problem. Uh, You are going to need to tell us how people could see it and participate uh, in it, but also tell us how you see the connection with this film and what is happening now um, with the Siobhan verdict and these uh, police killings, but also give us a sense of some of the panelists who will be speaking and I'm sure that they'll also be commenting on the Chauvin verdict and the interrelationship of all these systemic problems David yes yes
2: yeah. so so the first of the, the, the film explores the history behind our broken criminal legal system which actually charges 13 million Americans a year uh, mostly uh, black and brown with misdemeanors um you know this the, the misdemeanor problem that we, that we have um, has, allowed our, uh, 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 has allowed police officers to target our communities uh, since, since the end of slavery when new laws were created. So it, 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 it actually ties into to, 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 um, to just, just the, the, the damage and, that has been caused over the decades by police violence. Uh, if you look back at, at many of these cases, um, they were, they, you know, they, they were birthed from misdemeanors, and and, and police officers uh, used misdemeanors uh, to actually, um, you know, target our community. So, so the, the 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 film will be screened tonight at eight p.m. Um, tonight, April twenty first at eight p.m. If you um, and that's Eastern uh, like time, right? It, um, Eastern, yeah, that's East yeah, Coast time, so Eastern that would time. be yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, in order to view the film, is absolutely free. You can go to our website ficpfm. org. On the on on the, on the front page, scroll down to the bottom, and we have events. Click on the event, and there's a link that takes you to uh, actually uh, register for the um for the for the screening of this free film. And then we have we, we, we have Ben Crump, uh, you know, an attorney for justice that's on the panel. Uh, we have Tarita Uh She's a professor and a historian. Uh, she's done research on the extorted labor of, of women and, and how that how that has tied in uh, to, to, to our misdemeanor problem. Uh, then we also have Chris Lally. Chris Lally uh, actually stars in the film, and he was actually, well, I don't want to give too much of the film, he was tased um, by a police officer at his daughter's daycare as he was waiting for her to come out. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we, we have, as a narrator, we have Deanna Hopkins, uh, which is the president of Just Leadership USA.
0: Right. And, I mean, you mentioned uh, this man being tased, you know, waiting for his daughter at, at daycare. So, uh, Karen, just back to you for some uh, final thoughts here, uh, because that, is an outrageous situation in and of itself. But this business about um, just the stopping, particularly of uh, black men, but it also happens uh, to black women as well, by the police. Um, look at what happened with Dante Wright, just 10 miles uh, from uh, where you are, where George Floyd was killed. And what did he have? He had a, um, uh, something to. Uh, have his car smell nice, hanging uh, from the mirror and and was stopped. So just some final thoughts from you, Karen.
1: I'm just so, I'm so thankful to the young people that wouldn't let this be swept under the rug, you know, without this generation that stood up. It just makes me so proud how shameful it would have been if Minneapolis did not stand up against what happened. And so uh, I'm very hopeful about this new generation of people that are fighting for justice, and open to thinking outside the box for solutions. Um, that's the my big takeaway, is that everything we've achieved has been because of, of their efforts. And a lot of politicians are going to take credit for it, but it was the young people in the streets that brought us here today.
0: And, and just one quick thing, uh, Karen. Um, are you seeing on the ground um, more people reacting and coming together? as a result of what happened with George Floyd and you know, even the, the trial in and of itself, because the country is so divided. I mean, you did have 74 million people uh, voting for Donald Trump, who some call, some refer to him as the white supremacist in, in chief and a, a, a widespread problem, not only in the United States, but also in Europe of, of the rise of this. Are you seeing more coming together of people? Uh, Karen.
1: Well, there's been a coming together really over the last years since the uprising. People, um, there are projects that are still going today that, that came out of the days after George Floyd was killed. The area around um, the intersection where George Floyd was, was murdered has become a barricaded community space um, and has been organized and coordinated and secured by the community for you know, 10 months and more. Uh, they have two community meetings every day. There's a number of people who've taken, really made it their, the work of their life to to make that space be a space that is um, there for people to understand what happened to George Floyd, to understand about racism and to protest against the conditions. And, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to black women from that neighborhood who've been kind of the, the core of it, but there's been a lot of different people from different ethnicities and racial groups, different generations who've made that happen. And that's just one example. So there's certainly been lots of coming together. There's a, still an energy in the, in the Minneapolis and in the Twin Cities area. I think you saw that in the response to the horrible murder of Dante Wright, where people once again were right out in the streets acting boldly and um, bravely, I would say. So there, there is a coming together. I don't want to pretend like that polarization isn't there as well. But I think in moments when we see reality really starkly and clearly, for instance, right after George Floyd was killed, there was a poll that I think asked if the anger was justified. And it was something like 80 percent of those who took the poll responded that it was justified. So that had to cross some of the boundaries that you're describing. Um, But, of course, there are many people who are paid every day to make sure that we're divided and they get to work at it. Um, And it has an impact.
0: Right, right. Well, on that note, we, we will hope to speak with you again. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And David Ayala, also, we have posted information on the film uh, that will be screened uh, later today, 8 East Coast time. That's 8, that would be uh, 5, six, I mean, yeah, 5 o'clock Pacific time today on the uh on our social media for the show. So we want to thank both of you for joining us. Thank you so very much.